look at Acts chapter 4, and now as we look at verses 13 to 22, and if you've got your Bible there, if you want to use one of the chair Bibles, it's on page 912. We continue to have unfold before us the transformation of a life and the testimony that results from that. And this illustrates for us that that, that the power of the name of Jesus changes lives, motivates them to such a degree that they are willing to face any and all situations knowing that God would lead them through. And when we come now to Acts chapter 4, we're confronted with a changed character as a result of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is an interesting person. He's not mentioned in this passage, but later on in the book of Acts, we're introduced to who he is, and he starts out his career as a zealot. And he faithfully does what he feels God is calling him to do which is kill believers. And then finally, God taps him on the shoulder in a very deliberate and miraculous way and changes his life to such a degree that those who see him say, wait a minute, what, what, you were, but, what, what happened? And he reveals to us the change that happens in his life. Part of that change is that the Apostle Paul is able to take from the influences of culture around him and weave the gospel story into the the cultural messages. There was a famous Roman poet at the same time that the Apostle Paul was living, and he had a play that depicted the rise of fame of a beautiful woman who had started her career in poverty, but being noticed, soon rose to influence in the Roman court. And he quotes this play in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says, bad company ruins good morals. And he finds for us the nugget of truth in popular culture that reveals for us the person of Christ. It would be similar as if we were to say today, politics corrupts, or that a good politician is an oxymoron, or absolute power corrupts absolutely. You see, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13 to 22, we are faced with a choice. We have two opposing forces vying for a person's attention and control. On the one side, we have those represented by power and position and and prestige, and they give their testimony. You too can be like us if you follow these rules. And then on the other side, you have some vagabond former fishermen And their testimony revolves around chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived 
that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. On the one hand, those who were questioning them, the authorities, the rulers of of the people, were using their position and influence in order to squelch this new uprising. And then on the other hand, you had people who had been with Jesus. On the one hand, you had those who who recognized the, the intricacies of this Roman theatrical presentation that Paul refers to. And on the other side, you find men who had witnessed hope, transformation, forgiveness, and life. On the one hand, you have people whose hand is on the pulse of the political scene. And on the other, you had those whose hand was grasped in the hand of their Savior. Our challenge tonight, and what I want you to really contemplate as we spend the next few moments chatting about this passage, how can we live under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not the pursuit of of selfish gain. How does this work? Here's the answer. When we find our sustenance in the power of the name Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For, what a notable, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to one another, to anyone, in this name. So they called them and charged them to speak, to, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. They discovered that these men had been with Jesus. And in being with Jesus, they took to heart the words that he had said way back in John chapter 13, where Jesus says, A new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also have to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another." 
They knew they had been with Jesus, not because a few weeks earlier, in John chapter 18, we read the account how Peter and John likely, it talks about a disciple, but likely John and Peter had snuck their way into the same place now in order to be present for Christ's trial, not because they remembered that event, some, some you know, fishermen sneaking themselves into this high-polished gathering, and they say, oh yeah, I remember, yeah, you know, a couple of guys smelling a little like fish, yeah, not because of that but because of their, their, their lives being so changed as a result of the teaching of Christ. They had been immersed in the person and presence of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we see uh, you know, armlets or, or you know, necklaces or rings or bookmarks, you know, WWJD. And that's a great sentiment. What would Jesus do? And I think there's some some guidance that we can gain by reflecting on how can we live as Jesus would live. But I'm wondering if that might also be changed to WWJB. What would Jesus be? How can we be guided by the presence of Christ in the situation that we find ourselves. Paul reflects briefly on that in Philippians chapter 4, where he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think of the things, practice the things, do the things that you have seen and heard and recognized as coming from Jesus Christ, guided by him. There's an author that I've had the privilege of reading, Henry Nouwen who reflects on what it means to live spiritually. And as a, a Catholic priest, he, he taught internationally, he spoke internationally, and then he was led by God to return to a place of caring for the mentally and physically handicapped and to give up his ministry of teaching and preaching. And I know he's flawed. He's a flawed human being like we're all flawed. But what I gain from his example is a willingness to live authenticity with authenticity in his understanding of God's leading and faith in his life. Too often, we see that, that there seems to be a trajectory in what people feel needs to happen in the life and the career of those who claim to be Christian servants. Yes, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, thank you very much, and I'm waiting for the calling of God to California. All right. Why is it that God always calls to bigger churches? Why is it that God always calls to warmer climates? Okay, I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek, but you get the, you get the feeling, right? And I find in Henry Nouwen a, a clear example of a willingness 
to live with that, that tension of faith and not pursue what seems to be the cultural norm. What about when people look at me or when they look at you or when you look at yourself in the mirror? Can you answer the question, I'm living and being because of Jesus? These men had been with Jesus. All I'm doing is because of Jesus. I'm running my business because of Jesus. I'm doing my school because of Jesus. I'm doing my job because of Jesus. I'm living with integrity or being honest because of Jesus. My career path is such because of Jesus. After conferring together, the council bring them back in and they said, let us warn them to speak, to no, uh, speak no more to anyone in this name. Speaking not to speak or teach at all, verse 18, in the name of Jesus. They were presenting to them a choice. Subtly they were saying, if you don't speak in the name that, that you're speaking with, then look at us. You can have influence like we have influence. If you don't speak, here's the option. And their response in verse 19, be the judge. To obey you, to obey God. To seek after power and position, or to seek after God's presence. You know how easy it is to slip into seeking after position. Even Peter. Galatians chapter 2, we read the testimony. Paul coming to Peter and saying, But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. These are the ones that he just confronted back here in Jerusalem. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. How easy it is to slip into seeking position. How easy it is to to put ourselves up on a pedestal. Listen to me because I'm the pastor. Listen to me because I'm the small group leader. Listen to me because I'm your dad. Listen to me because I'm older than you. How easy to slip into position and forget the presence of God. Why? All of us seek to look good. I want to look good. I want others to think I'm okay. I want others to come up after me. Now, you don't have to stop doing this. And say, 
Nice talk. Now everybody's going to avoid me at coffee time, I know it. <laughs> Why? Because sometimes living by integrity and living by God's direction hurts. Again, Paul reflects on that in Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then he goes on and talks about the body and how we are all to work together. It hurts to sometimes be overlooked. It hurts to sometimes be sidelined. But to live with the integrity and the calling of God, not for influence. Obedience to Christ is not to gain influence with God or with others. God, I've been serving you now for over 20 years, so I've got a list of requests that I'm going to put before you, and um, what do you say? You can't bribe God. You can't bribe others. We're obedient to Christ simply because He calls us. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus to face the things that would confront us and cause us to grasp onto our own sufficiency and our own ways of surviving rather than in the power that we can find in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation alone comes through the name of Jesus Christ. We can only enter eternity because of Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There is only one through whom we get salvation. There is only one through whom we get eternal life. There's power in the name of Jesus. If we confess with our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. The power of salvation is found in Jesus and in him alone. Have you asked him to save you? Have you asked him to change you? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you asked him to heal you? There's power in the name. Corinthians, Paul again writes, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The final battle that we all will face is the battle of death. Some are intimate in watching that battle unfold in the lives of others. And I've seen the struggle. And I've seen the battle rage. And I've seen the victory in the eyes of the person. And the testimony we present is that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power to save. Power for eternal life. Power over death. And, Paul, and Peter goes on and says, We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. We can't stop it. We can't pretend otherwise. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have experienced, we have to speak about it. We have to talk about it. We heard testimony already tonight. We sang testimony tonight. What is the vibrancy of your testimony that when you speak with other people, they, they say to you, you have been with Jesus. Or do you find that flagging? Being influenced by Christ changed the disciples' lives. It changed their living patterns. They were now loving one another as Christ had commanded. It changed their giving patterns. Earlier in the story we find that Peter approaching the man at the gate said, I don't have any gold, I don't have any silver, but what I have I'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up. It changed their thinking patterns. From fearful to courageous. From being intimidated to being preserved. And it changed their speaking patterns. We simply have to tell what is happening in our life. What about for us? Does the influence of Christ in our life change us? Because of Christ and our relationship with Him... Have we been changed in the way we engage in our everyday? Or do we find that there are areas in our life that we haven't yet surrendered to His control? And He's saying, yes, I believe you for salvation, but I'm going to hold on to this. Thank you very much something that has gripped you with fear, something that has gripped you with, with a sense of pride, something that has gripped you with a sense of ego or ownership. 
Do you have to surrender that tonight to Christ? Who knew that because these men had been with Jesus, that suddenly their lives would be so transformed? Who knew that because they had, they had been with Jesus and they were doing the things that Jesus wanted them to do, that they would engage in a life of adventurous trust, experiencing spiritual attack, temptations, the pursuit for the presence of God versus the, the power and, and prestige offered to them by the world. That they would see lives healed, lives transformed. That they would give themselves to leading others into a message of hope found in and solely through Jesus Christ. That the words of Christ would become fulfilled in saying, I will make you fishers of men. And that's what they became. Because these men had obeyed God and not man, because these men had listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and not been persuaded by the offering of power and prestige, they saw a church born. They saw generations changed. They spoke And the power of God was revealed in the lives around them. And they witnessed transformation. Because of the power found in the name of Jesus Christ. What about you tonight? The challenge of living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not pursuing a life of selfish gain is accomplished only when we find our sustenance in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you find your true sustenance in Christ? If you were honest, just between you and God, And you reflected for a moment and said, if suddenly things disappeared from my life, would I have enough? If suddenly my job ended, would I have enough? With Christ and Christ alone. If suddenly my my position in the community was eroded, not of my own fault, would I have enough? If suddenly my health failed and I found myself in company with death, would I have enough? And if you find yourself wavering, then maybe tonight is a good time to pause. 
and say, God, I want just you to be enough. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the person of God who has come to die for our sins that we might have life, abundant life. So the team's going to come. And as they continue to lead us in worship, reflect and consider, am I finding enough in Christ? And if you're challenged by that, maybe you want to spend a few moments chatting with somebody this week. Maybe you want to talk with with one of the pastors here, maybe you want to talk with a good friend of yours or a small group leader or someone that that you trust and say, how can I go about surrendering my life so that I find power only and solely in the person and presence of Christ?